0: Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of Repeat Theater, the live interactive podcast. It's like a book club for movies and TV shows. This will be a movie review of Avengers as we have chronologically been working our way through the MCU. Repeat Theater goes live on YouTube Monday through Thursdays around 3 p.m. Eastern. Mondays are dedicated to movies. Tuesdays and Thursdays are dedicated to TV shows. We're working our way through Mandalorian Season 1 and Breaking Bad Season 2. And this week's wildcard is Inception. That's available on Amazon Prime if you want to watch that before Wednesday. Great movie to rewatch. You pick up on a lot more things on the second watch. I did the same thing with Avengers. I picked up on a lot of things in this that are definitely linked to the entire MCU. So this, tr- this, my reviews contain spoilers only about the movie I'm discussing. So I will only walk through things that happen in the Avengers movie. I'm not gonna spoil how this connects to things that might happen in Infinity War or Endgame because there are actual connections there. I'm not gonna do that, okay? I am not going to uh, draw those connections. Now, we may get into those connections in VIP, so don't listen to VIP if you don't want to hear those. So I'm only going to discuss what happens in the movie. I was funny. I was watching it with my wife. I'm like, I, th- I forget how this starts. I was like, I think it starts with the Tesseract. And that's exactly uh, how it starts. You get the immediate sort of narrative about uh the the tesseract and everything that's been going on and that i think is a good setup for everything that takes place immediately after they're at the shield facility and everybody's evacuating the tesseract has had what they call a spontaneous event so you're kind of like not sure what's going on this is in the in the grand scheme of of obviously shield and everything that's transpired i think this is a, this is a good way to kick off the avengers movie because the one thing that has kind of united all of them is the Tesseract, because it starts with Cap, Stark's, you know, Stark's dad finds it, and then it leads to situations with Thor, and then obviously pulls in Tony. And it makes sense as sort of a, a centralizing narrative effect to pull them all together. Barton is up in his up in his perch. They call him the Hawk. They give a, you know, a little brief nod to the fact that he's Hawkeye. uh, But everybody calls him Barton for the most part. And then, you know, Fury wants to know what's been going on. Barton's just kind of like giving him the lowdown of everything that's going on. He talks about how, what if there's somebody on the other side of this? And it's kind of cool that Barton's not a scientist. But Hawkeye just basically breaks it down logically. If this is a doorway to another space or another place or dimension, then... Surely there might be somebody on the other end messing with it. And it's very quickly seen that he was right, cause Loki shows up. And I've actually not watched this movie in such a long time. I've more recently given, you know, Ragnarok a rewatch. It's one of my favorites. And Loki's presence in this, I forgot how he does start off pretty dark, pretty demented, almost seething. And I think that just shows the, you know, Tom's acting chops, he kind of brings a pretty wide gamut of experience with this guy you go from hating him to hoping he gets some redemption all throughout the MCU but in this particular movie he actually I think does a good job as the villain and Fury and Loki kind of have their face off and I I picked up on this I picked up on this in the movie and I don't know if this was intentional, everybody kind of gets a turn facing off with Loki, everyone's Loki face off is different and I like that you're going to hear me reference that all throughout this Review that they all kind of get their turn, and one of the first people to get their Loki face off is Barton. Barton's pretty agile, pretty quick, and Loki wants him on his team, so he corrupts him. But then the face off with Fury is they're having a conversation, and then Barton now on now on Loki's side because he's corrupted. He can tell the Fury is stalling, and he wants to bury him like the great pharaohs of old. Fury says, and uh, they actually escape. They you know they shoot. They shoot uh, Fury, take the Tesseract, leave. The shield facility starts to collapse. Loki gets, gets away, and then Fury's like, this is a level seven, we're at war. And Coulson's like, what do we do? And then they go to the title screen. So, I like a movie that gets started pretty quickly. This one moves at a pretty quick clip. I mean, they don't waste any time they have to set the stage to bring all of the Avengers together and it's believable it doesn't feel forced I know this is probably something that they felt was probably pretty delicate being that you got Cap coming from the past you got Tony coming you know from kind of he just wants to do his own thing then you got Nick Fury then you got S.H.I.E.L.D. then Thor shows up how on earth are you going to pull all these threads together and I actually think they do it in a pretty good way they immediately pick up with Black Widow being interrogated and Coulson uh, calls. And, uh, this is, this is one of the other times where I think the MCU has nailed the comedic delivery in a serious movie, in an action movie. I think a lot of other people have tried to replicate what the MCU does so well. And this is another one of the, an example of it. Puts Coulson on hold. He's just sitting there, you know, but just, just that. Just Coulson kind of bopping back and forth waiting for her to stop beating the you know, the guy's up, I think is just great, subtle, comedic delivery at something these movies, uh, excel at, and also you get a glimpse into how good Black Widow is at her job, she's like, oh, I got these guys telling me everything, and the guy's like, (laughs) the very, very confident general just moments before is, like, threatening to, like, I guess, like, pull her teeth out, and, uh, He's like, I didn't tell you everything or whatever. I think it's very, very good. I also like how Coulson flexes on the guy when he first calls in. You get a glimpse into just how good Coulson is at his job. And then Coulson tells her, you get the big guy. And you can tell that Black Widow Natasha does not want to go get the big guy. And we all know who that is. She has to go and get uh, Banner. She actually talks to Banner, you know, they, they trick him to take him out to the edge of town. And this is probably one of the better exchanges in the movie, especially, uh, you know, if you know how things transpire in the MCU, some of these scenes are a little bit more meaningful to you. I'm not going, uh, I'm not going to say why, uh, but I actually appreciated this scene for that reason. And uh, I actually, th- one of the things that I didn't. Uh, foresee happening, because I was kind of upset. I was a big fan of Ed Norton. But Banner just sells it. He's I'm sorry, uh, uh, Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo just sells it as Banner. I think he does an excellent job. It was probably difficult to jump into a role that wasn't sort of an off-screen, out-of-frame role, like Rhodey. Switching to Don Cheadle for Rhodey was a pretty big change, but he wasn't as central of a figure as Hulk is in Avengers. He's a very, very... He's central in so many of the scenes, and he's pivotal to a lot of things that take place. So that was probably, you know, a little daunting to step in and suddenly be the new banner. Uh, I loved what they did with Natasha. So up to now, they've established that Black Widow is basically fearless. You can't really shake her. Her her scared, fragile fake out in the opening scene where she's being interrogated contrasted with this scene where he slams his hands on the table and he's like stop lying to me and she gets scared she pulls her gun and you can see just total fear on her on her face, and he's like, I'm sorry that was mean, I wanted to see what you would do and he tells her to put the gun down because he doesn't want the other guy to show up either and I think this was very effective, using her of all people, because if anybody else would have shown up, there would have been a fear there would have been a trepidation that you just would have assumed would have been there, like this guy can literally turn into the Hulk, snap you in two, and no one will remember what happened to you, you'll be, you'll be destroyed, and I think using Scarlett Johansson's character was a better decision because she's as cold as ice up to now. Like you can't really rattle her, you can't really scare her, and she is scared of the Hulk. I I love that throughout this movie. I thought they did a very good job with that. I think it I think one of the things we forget as the viewer is that the Hulk would be terrifying. It's not it's not like it's there's a difference between like a bad guy showing up and doing bad stuff and like the Hulk showing up. The Hulk is a literal monster. Uh, that, that can tear an entire city down he, it, would, it would be legitimately terrifying to be around him and I thought they did a really really good job giving us a glimpse into how people would actually feel to be around him even if they're a competent soldier fighter assassin they are still very very scared of the Hulk and I like that they did that because I'm, I'm a fan of Hulk I don't kind of like what they did with him in the MCU but we'll talk about that another day or maybe later today Then you got Fury talking with the council. This is probably the first time, this is actually the first time they introduced the idea that S.H.I.E.L.D. answers to other people in some regard, and he thinks the Avengers initiative is what they need. He said wars are won with soldiers, which obviously leads to him approaching Cap. Cap tells Fury, you guys should have left the Tesseract in the ocean. So now you're getting sort of more of a foreboding view from Cap. He's had experience with the Tesseract and what it can do and what happened with Hydra. And I, you know, I obviously think starting with Cap made the most sense narratively since he's kind of the one that we get introduced to the Avengers with if you watch chronologically but also you get introduced to this greater threat from another world being on Earth and and, uh, and what it did with Hydra and what it did with the war uh so Cap tells them they should have left it in the ocean and one of the things they're going to do now is they kind of have to make their rounds with the various Avengers. So Tony turns Stark Tower into clean energy. We kind of catch back up with him and Potts it's they're just freaking adorable. She's in like little jean shorts, they're having champagne, like they're a charming, just adorable couple. I it's it's believable. Um I think that's one of the things they did well in this was it had to be tough I think to find somebody to act opposite of Robert Downey Jr. and sell like a charming, adorable romance with this genius narcissist, and I think they do a great job with it. And then Coulson shows up. Uh, he breaks through their security and gets all the way up the elevator and uh, and Potts calls him Phil. This is one of my favorite scenes, by the way. I love when there's like rapid fire, almost like if you're not paying attention, you'll miss the comedy. Uh, it Tony being upset that she calls him Phil. He doesn't want to be handed anything. They all trade different things. She's like, you have homework to do. But then in the background when she's getting in the elevator, she's like real chummy uh, with him. Yeah, his first name is Agent. Like, see what I'm saying? I forgot about that one. It's just peppered with little funny jokes. This is another one of those scenes. It's like there's another scene uh, with Thor in another movie where he interacts with a group of people, and it's one of my favorite comedic scenes in the entire MCU. This is another one. It's just excellently done, excellently delivered. They just, like, just little rapid-fire jokes, and Tony Stark just continues to deliver. Uh, The confident guy, the arrogant guy, but also he... Pepper's like, you've got homework. She can tell this is serious. She says, Phil's rattled. Like, she knows if Phil's scared and rattled, then this has got to be really serious. And he's so annoyed that she's calling him Phil. I love it. Uh, Then, again, they continue. This makes you love Coulson. Obviously, if you've watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and some of the other things with him in it, you you like him. But he really, really brings, I think... I think Coulson embodies the comedy of the MCU. I really do, I think he does. I think he embodies the seriousness with the the the, the, the silliness and he does it better than anybody. I think if you try to pick one character that really sort of, you know, if you want to have, okay, who has the best scenes to embody MCU comedy delivery it's colson so he's talking to cap it's it's priceless <laughs> it's priceless it's like an honor to meet you and he's got the cards that they they mentioned a couple they, they mentioned later uh you can tell he like really really looks up for him uh he looks up to him i mean and it's it's very very well done they, they plant seeds that it, it leads up to some pretty cool stuff Uh, then we kind of find out Loki is not just here on his own. If you remember what happens at the end of Thor, Loki kind of gets sucked into the vacuum of space and we don't really know how he ended up here with this staff. He gets transported mentally and he speaks to those who gave him the scepter and it hints it. it, it, They don't really say, but like, you know, he who gave you the scepter is like, okay, something else is going on. Something else is happening. And this is the first inclination that we get that Loki didn't arrive here on his own by sheer force of will as the god of mischief. Somebody else is pulling the strings. Uh, Loki actually seems trapped and desperate, and I like that they create that that thread because I don't know about you, I always want redemption for Loki, and they, they leave that door open, I think, with scenes like this. Uh, banner meets Cap. I love the tone of that meeting you know the fact that like all cap cares about is finding the Tesseract he doesn't care about you know banner turning into a big green monster um, and then the shield sort of bridge reveal where they go into the bridge of this giant ship that they're on and they comb over all the people working and then the ships like up in the air and then let's vanish they disappear this is a great way i think of them passively legitimizing shield because up to now you don't know who shield is you don't know what they're doing you know they have a facility with scientists and you think they're studying the tesseract but then that kind of gets destroyed in the opening sequence so shield doesn't look all that impressive up to now they're kind of in the shadows we don't have a lot of information and I thought this was just good passive storytelling that, no, S.H.I.E.L.D. is actually pretty legitimate. I mean, look at this dadgum ship. It takes off. It was just in the water moments ago. And it can go completely invisible. And they don't beat you over the head with it. They just make it very, very clear these guys have got advanced tech and they're preparing for a fight that that they are, according uh, to Fury, they're not they're not ready for. You find that out mo- in, in a few moments. Um, then, Continuing with the, the the Coulson comedic delivery here, he asked Cap to sign his vintage card set. This is just more perfect delivery of comedy, keeping things light. And I think they did this on purpose because the big ship revealed and less vanished. It's almost like the minute you might think they're taking themselves too seriously, they bring you back down and humanize the you know the actors and oh, humanize the characters. I'm sorry and add a bit of uh, a, a deprecating humor that keeps it from being too serious because it feels pretty like oh wow these guys are pretty legit and then they immediately go into a comedic sequence so they find they find Loki Uh, And Barton is basically on another place and they're working together. Barton says I need a distraction and an eyeball because they need this material and Loki works great, I think, as the villain in this sequence. He just struts in, well dressed, cracks a guy across the face and extracts his eyeball. And then he goes outside, tells everybody to kneel and something that I think that these movies have always... Uh, done a, done an excellent job with casting is they cast the right character for a, a, a micro role and the old man who stands up and won't kneel and he said something to the effect of like there's no men like me or something and he says there are always men like you And I thought that was just that old man wisdom-like narrative of, yep, there's always guys like you who are drunk with power and insisting that people uh, should be in subjugation. Cap comes in, saves the day. Old guy doesn't get blown away. You think, man, Loki's going to wipe him out. Cap fights him. Then it's not going that well. Cap's a bit outmatched cap's really really strong but he's not a god and he doesn't have uh you know magical powers and and uh, i don't know if he's i think he's fighting with the staff yeah he's fighting with the staff at this point so it's like logie has got a uh uh a, a, you know a, a pretty a pretty big advantage i don't know if it was in germany i felt like that was a pretty subtle nod to like this old guy is pretty uh <laughs> this old guy knows what dictators look like and how they're terrible and uh, i thought it was excellent like his accent his appearance um it gave you that tone they didn't again it's subtle they don't beat you over the head with the fact that like this guy probably lived through world war ii but the fact that he did it definitely i think was present in his accent and in his age and appearance so i picked up on that yeah it was in German. that's pretty dope so you understand why he's making that reference and serendipitously Cap saves the day, right? Because Cap went toe to toe with uh, Red Skull and and uh, and all of, everything going on in the world. You know he's familiar with that era as well. Interestingly enough, that may, maybe that's like very very subtle, very very subtle. That Cap and this guy maybe would have been the same age, but you know Cap got to uh, <laughs> got to jump timelines by getting frozen uh, in the in 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 the water. Yeah, Cap says last time I was in Germany and saw a man standing over people. It didn't end well for him. Yeah 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 yeah. I thought that was really, uh, really good that they used the old guy in that way. Um... uh, But, you know, the fight's not going that good for Cap. It's not going well, and Iron Man shows up. And this, this is one of the sequences that could have gotten really hokey, but I thought they did a great job, because they introduce Cap, then they introduce Iron Man, then they introduce, uh, then Thor will be, uh, shortly after this. Iron Man shows up, he overrides the PA system, He's like, Agent Romanov, did you miss me or whatever? And so Tony and Cap kind of team up. And you can tell they both are kind of like, man, he kind of gave up really, really easily. Uh, And this is the beginning of Iron Man Tony being a meme machine. He's a meme machine throughout this entire movie. He calls him Reindeer Games. Uh he calls Thor Point Break he calls <laughs> he calls Hawkeye Legolas um it's great it's it's absolutely fantastic how many little meme lines and jabs uh that Tony gets in he says what about Rock he calls one of them Rock of Ages like Rock of Ages gave up too <laughs> too soon there he's a meme machine from this point on it's great i love it and uh they could have maybe they they could have gone overboard with it but i i don't care i like it so they 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 got him in the ship it felt it felt uh you know too easy yeah doth mother know you weareth her drapes again so so good uh the way they used him in this and then so thor shows up cap's got a great line she's like you might want to sit this one out cap they're basically gods he's like there's only one god ma'am and i'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that so consistent uh with with uh with cap and uh just that pure pure good good old american hero uh, and then he just jumps out of the plane <laughs> so uh, Thor and Loki have a debate. Thor can tell someone's behind Loki's actions. So again, they're being subtle with it, but they're giving you that out to be like, this isn't really Loki's doing. Loki didn't have a choice. He was kind of sucked into the vacuum of space and somebody took advantage of that reality. And now Loki is is doing the bidding of somebody else, but they don't have time to talk, you know, more, more, good, <laughs> more good comedic value. He comes and takes him away. And Loki's like, I'm sorry, what was that? You know, Thor's not standing there anymore. Tony and Thor face off. It's actually like a really, really great fight. Uh, It actually seems believable. Um, The interesting thing in this fight, and I like that they do this, is... Thor is way stronger than basically uh, everybody. He's basically way stronger than everybody, except for maybe Hulk. And he's actually, like, squeezing and busting Tony's armor just with his hand. And I thought that was really, really good subtle. Yeah, this guy is is literally going to... He's going to rip you limb from limb if you're not careful. He's really, really strong. Uh, But obviously, Cat intervenes. And then uh, he's like, do you want me to put the hammer down? Because he's like, put the hammer down. <laughs> Cap's like, don't do it. I'm sorry. Iron Man's like, don't tell him to do that. He really loves his hammer. And then, you know, Tony gets slung. But then he hits the the the, the shield. And we all know the shield is made from uh, vibronium. Vibranium? Vibronium. Right? Vibronium. I always want to say it the wrong way. Anyway. It creates... Vibranium creates this incredible explosion, and I like this. Like, then they're all kind of like, all right, what what in the heck are we doing? We're just literally destroying uh, a village here. Well, not a village. I'm sorry, a forest. If they were in a village or a city, it would get pretty bad. I mean, these guys are, are uh, just going through stuff. Vibronium? Is it Vibranium or Vibronium? I always mess it up. Anyway, uh, the way that they set the, the the fight up, I thought was good because... They, there's there's not a lot of, I don't think, of opportunities for them to necessarily fight. Obviously, if you know chronologically, there's eventually a civil war where they're going to fight. This is obviously a little bit different. Nobody really knows each other. They're all sort of, you know, just going toe to toe. But I liked it. It's like you get to see him kind of like face off, and it's a good face off. Um, and uh, I like how the hammer... I like how the hammer hits the shield, and I also like how Thor supercharges Iron Man's suit. It's like cool power is at full hundred percent. He's like, how about that? That's one of my that's one of my more favorite parts as well. Uh, Stark meeting Banner is great. Stark's like, you, you know, your work in this field is unparalleled. And also, I'm a huge fan of how you turn into a big giant green monster. Classic Tony has to be irreverent and not serious. Uh, And then we finally get an explanation of Loki's plan, who is coming, what is coming, Thor finally breaks it down for us because we don't really know up to this point. We've only seen like some dude that told Loki they gave him a scepter. Stark, Banner, and Cap all theorize about what's actually going on. And this, I thought, was good because you want them to commiserate on something and you want them to, like, come together and have actual conversations. And I think having Banner and Stark in close proximity was one of my more favorite aspects of the movie because they're both geniuses in their own way, but also Tony is just like a kid and he's, like, poking him and trying to get him to react and Cap's getting real grumpy. But they all sort of come together with this idea that, like, something else is going on, so Tony hacks into S.H.I.E.L.D.'s database, and then Cap busts into their armory, and they all kind of find and come to similar uh, conclusions. Tony and Banner discussing the truth behind Bam- Banner surviving Gamma is actually pretty cool. This is one of the this is one of the scenes that adds to my frustration about how poorly Hulk has been treated in the MCU. Uh, he gets pretty sidelined after Ragnarok, and I am still to this day I am still grumpy about that. But the fact that they actually discuss and theorize um, about you know Tony's basically postulating that what happened to you is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And that's a part of this movie. It's a very important part of this movie is that Tony sees something in the Hulk that others don't see. And, uh, he doesn't see it as a danger. He sees it as a, he sees him as a hero. Um, and so I can't stand that they, they, he, that the Hulk doesn't get very good treatment after setting up, I think, a really, really good, not only story arc and how he kind of ha- handles you know, the the Hulk and the anger, but Tony basically putting in his mind this idea that he can be a hero. Um... Fury says to Thor that they need to crack Loki and find the Tesseract. And so they send Black Widow and she actually tricks Loki. One of my more favorite scenes here, I think giving ground and reason to the fact that Scar Joe should have got her own movie a long time ago. I actually think she, I think too many people look at her and obviously Scar, Scarlett Johansson is, is a 10 out of 10 knockout, you need that for Black Widow it's literally a part of the character's story that she's very attractive, but I think that makes people overlook the fact that she's actually really, really good her her ability to transition from fear to oh, I know what you're doing like, her, emo- her ability to show emotion from the time that she you know, that she's legitimately scared of Hulk to when she fakes being scared during the first interrogation to when she fakes out being rattled and she tricks Loki, I just think Scar shows a lot of versatility and a lot of uh, depth and breadth as an actor in this movie, and people overlook it because she's so pretty. They're like, well, she's a pretty face. And it's like, but she's doing it. She actually is really good in this, and I think people overlook that because she's supposed to be like the quote-unquote eye candy or whatever. Like, I saw people interviewing her and asking her if she, her, her outfit was so skin tight, could she wear undergarments? I'm more interested in how you do what she did in these scenes with respect to We know and rewatch that it's fake emotion, but then there's real emotion when she's scared of Hulk and when she goes from like fake emotion to confidence and calm, I actually think she does a really, really excellent job as an actor and I would, I don't know, I always love to see and hear about their process and how they do that and I just think it's unfortunate that that gets overlooked, which is why I'm glad she's getting her own movie. I think she's, she's owed that Uh, and it's, it's time for, for her to get her own uh, movie. So she tricks Loki and then Cap tells Stark, you're not the guy who makes the sacrifice play. And man, oh man, what a line. What a meta-narrative line for Cap to throw down the gauntlet to Tony and say, you're not the guy who makes the sacrifice play. Ooh, I can't draw, I can't talk about that. I can talk about it in this movie because he does make the sacrifice play at the end. But that becomes a defining identity driver of Tony Stark in the MCU. And man, is Cap wrong when he says that uh, at this point. The staff causes them to fight, and they're and they're uh, they're kind of raging, and uh, they're going back and forth, and they're. Uh, you know they're they're being angered by it and Banner ends up holding it by mistake at some point. Barton shows up, Barton's still bad, Hawkeye boom blows up the one engine. They're going down and Black Widow with Banner man oh man again one of my more favorite sequences that again i think Scarjo doesn't get enough credit here because people see her as the pretty girl i think she does an excellent job here she's trying to calm him down there is a genuine just terror in her face as she's trying to get a grip on the situation and then hulk finally turns and this is what we've all kind of been waiting for we want to see the hulk it he I think this is the best version of Hulk we'll probably ever get. I mean, I I don't know maybe the special effects will get better, but ma- he just looks like Hulk. He looks and feels like. What you would think he would look and feel like, you know, from the comics. Uh, Thor shows up and thankfully saves uh, Black Widow. Obviously, there's almost basically nobody is a match. Nobody's a match for Hulk except for Thor. Um, and I love how the hammer mythology continues. One of the better parts where they show this is the Hulk cannot pick up the hammer to the point that he pushes his feet down into the ground while trying to pull the hammer up. And the weight and the body and the strength of Hulk may. Basically shoves him down and is an in indentation into the cement. This is one of the times where there's just a subtle continuance of the story. There's a funny scene in one of the other movies where people take turns trying to pick up the hammer. That's not really a spoiler. That's a great scene and a great sequence. But you know, I it, I love that they even include that. Like that he throws it and then and then the Hulk tries to grab it and it yanks him and then he can't even lift it. Uh, really, really fun. It's a, it's a, it's a great clash between, uh, between the two of, uh, of, of Thor and Hulk. And then Coulson, one of Coulson's best lines, one of Coulson's best scenes is the scene where Loki gets him. And it seems that Coulson is dead. Uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. He, he says, you're going to lose. It's in your nature. You lack conviction. That is one of my favorite scenes. That's kind of my mantra that I use to the people uh, that have hurt me in my life is that you'll lose. It's in your nature because you lack conviction. I've always kind of borrowed that mantra from Colson. Uh, I love it. It's a great Colson scene. It's great. It's a good send-off for Agent Coulson. Thor and Hulk fall, so they're out. They're out of the ship. Goodbye. Thor ends up getting trapped in the thing that lo- contained Loki, contained for Hulk. Hulk ends up falling because he ends up on a jet. Uh, Tony and Cap deal with losing Coulson in different ways. You're starting to get a glimpse into the humanity of Tony Stark. He is rattled and angry that they lost Coulson. Um, Coulson meant something to Tony. I think you get that in this scene. He's ticked off. And... Uh, cuz cuz he wants to blame colson and you know in the scene when he's blaming colson that he's saying he's saying it out of anger because it was he considered him i think a friend and he's mad that his friend is dead i don't think he's genuinely blaming colson um and stark obviously i'm sorry uh fury tries to motivate them with the the vintage cards with the blood i thought that was you know a pretty uh pretty nice Uh, Touch, but in this scene where where Tony and Cap are kind of going back and forth about Coulson, he figures out where Loki's going. He wants a monument in the sky, and you know, not surprising, in the background here of this wallpaper, there is Stark Tower. So now Tony faces off with Loki. So again, the theme of this movie. one of the themes of this movie is everybody takes turns facing off with loki it starts with barton then with fury then cap kind of fights him first by himself then everybody kind of shows up they all end up facing off with him thor faces off with him has a conversation with him talks about it black widow faces off with him colson faces off with him, and now it's tony's turn one-on-one gets a face off with loki so they all sort of have different scenes with him. And I actually like this, this theme in this, as, as I was writing it out, it was like every time I was like, oh wow, everybody kind of gets a little, a little face-off, you know, dialogue time with, uh, with Loki throughout the movie. It's actually great, um, it's actually great dialogue, this back and forth about, you know, there's no here, there's no, there's no, there's no throne here. There's no way this ends for you well, you know, Tony's trying to appeal to, to you know even if you win you don't win kind of like trying to get into loki's head and uh tony gets thrown out and thankfully he puts on his bracelets he's got it he's got a nice fresh new suit gets the deployed uh and then the evasion begins and you get a glimpse into just how strong Tony Stark is in the Iron Man suit. He does a pretty good job on his own for a while before the heat really turns up. The, you know, the Iron Man suit is decked out with a significant amount of weaponry and he's he's keeping him at bay, you know, pretty well for a while, but then the big serpent shows up and Tony asks if Banner has shown up yet. Now, I think they were subtle with this, but again, this is something that I really really like is that Tony looks at Banner and Hulk in a different way than everybody else, he looks at he looks at Hulk in a different way than Hulk sees himself, than Banner sees himself, and a different way from everybody else. So he is consistently thinking like, this guy's a hero. Has he shown up? Yet? has he shown up yet? We're gonna need him basically. And obviously, what provokes that question is the big giant worm. So they're fighting, you know, there's some there's some good action sequences here, nothing, nothing that significant. And then Banner finally shows up, and here's your good Hulk reveal, where he says, you know, that's my secret. I'm always angry. So for him, it's not about not being angry, it's the fact that he's always, you know, angry. It's learning to control it. And and this is, I think, the first time they show us that Banner can phase on command basically he can she can transform on command because when he did it earlier in the movie he tried to stop it and it didn't work and i don't know i don't know much about the background mythology and the lore of hulk but this may be a very subtle way of showing that when he tries to fight it, it doesn't go well and he doesn't have control. When he chooses to become Hulk, it completely changes his ability to be in control and to be a hero, as opposed to, well, I I got crushed by a bunch of stuff and there was an explosion and I turned into Hulk and I didn't want to. So there's not an internal conflict anymore, he's embracing the fact that he can be and is Hulk. Um, so instead of being triggered by like the staff and the explosion he's now choosing it which then empowers him to understand what's being said to him and sort of be in control uh i love i i I love that i'm i'm saying that i think the movie kind of says that i don't know if the comics back me up um and you think man what a great great you know Take down. He takes down this worm all by himself, and then Loki's, like, sending the rest. So they quickly show you it ain't over. This is a far bigger threat. This is potentially an unending threat. Uh, even with somebody as big as the Hulk taking down a worm, it's not over. Um, they give everybody a chance to kind of show off their prowess here, and I think that, that was uh, that was a good choice. It might seem... Um, Maybe maybe to some it might seem a little cliche, a little hokey, but I actually really appreciate it. everybody got their turn to really show off their full strength. Thor goes up on the Chrysler Building, gets so supercharged with lightning, he's basically destroying everything coming in for the portal. But obviously he's limited; he can't do that for forever. But again, you get a nice show off of of Hulk. I'm sorry, of Thor and his 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 maximum strength at this point in time. And then the theme of team ups begins. So everybody gets to kind of show off, you know, just how strong they are. Iron Man's kind of holding down the fort on his own. Hulk takes down a worm. Thor does a big, big lightning attack, and then the theme of team-ups begins. You get to see Cap and Tony working together. It's very brief, but we get that nice, classic Iron Man blasting and Tony—I'm uh, sorry—and and Cap reflecting the shot off the shield. Just awesome, even though it's super quick and super subtle. It's a nice hat tip to any video game you've ever played, right? It's just like a like, made me think of, uh, you know, Marvel Ultimate Alliance, whenever you did those combo moves. Then you got Thor and Hulk fighting together on the worm. Hulk smashes the metal down and Thor electrocutes it. Just really, really good, excellent, excellent little team-ups. You're like, oh, this is what you want to see, right? It's cool to see them individually strong, but when they start working together, man, oh man, is it fun. And then obviously they have to bring the humor. Hulk's just kind of big and grumpy and just, like, standing there next to Thor and just, like, wham, punches him. Uh, That one, I know in the theater when I saw it, that one got a lot of laughs. It was very, 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 very well done. And now it's Hulk's turn to face off with Loki. Everybody has gotten a chance to face off with Loki, and this is probably everybody's fan favorite. Loki's like, enough, you know, he talks about how he's a god, and then... (laughs) Hulk basically ragdolls the crap out of him and calls him a puny god. I, in theater, I did not even hear him say puny god the first time I saw this because the theater was both laughing and cheering so much we couldn't hear the line because everyone loved it so much just seeing Loki just absolutely decimated and slammed. It was absolutely wonderful. Uh, It was what everybody was hoping would eventually happen was that Hulk would give this guy his due and uh, I actually didn't ever get to know the line until I watched the movie a second time in my home. (laughs) And then I was like, oh, he's this puny god. I actually think I had to look it up before. I was like, what did he say? We didn't get to hear it in our theater because the crowd loved it so, so much. Um, the genius of Selvik comes back into frame. Like, obviously Selvik was being controlled by Loki and doing things and all of this, but somehow Selvik, in, in in his brilliance, he creates a backdoor. He creates a a weakness in this thing that they built, and they can use they can actually use the staff to shut down the portal and i love that they did this is it's it's really really minor you don't you might not really catch it but selvik continues to be uh, a major major component of the storytelling here and just his brilliance and obviously we wish that you know jane was around in these movies we all love natalie portman but she uh, she unfortunately gets mentioned briefly in one scene. They, they take her somewhere remote and safe. And Thor thanks Coulson for that. Um, but the council sends a nuke. So we're like, oh, there's hope to shut off the portal. But then the council's like, no, we're sending a nuke in. Tony grabs it, tells Widow to wait. He turns it up, takes it right through the you know through the portal and obviously everybody's exciting this i think harkens back to cap telling him he's not the type to make the sacrifice play and if you think back to iron man when tony's like i'm i'm obviously not the hero type i love i love hearing that and thinking through how he is becoming the hero type and his various character defects like his speech where he declares i am iron man that, that coming full circle all the way through the MCU of being like, I'm not the hero type, and then the minute he's surrounded by other heroes, he's kind of the standout sacrifice play guy. And, and to be fair, nobody else could have done this particular heroic act. You, you, you'd like to think most of them would have done the same thing, but it comes down to Tony. So it it actually thankfully goes through the portal, and as luck would happen, it hits the mothership, and then Tony comes falling back down, and Hulk saves him. Thor's gonna save him. Thor's like he's you know he's not flying or whatever, you know he's he's falling, and, and I like that Hulk gets a chance to save him. Um, and harkening back to when Iron Man and Thor first fought, and and Thor was able to squeeze Tony's armor, Thor rips off the helmet so they can get a look at Tony's face. And uh, <laughs> Hulk yelling wakes wakes Tony up. This is one of my favorite line deliveries of Robert Downey Jr. Is he like wakes up. He's like, Aah! he's like, what the hell? <laughs> That's one of my favorite. Li- I don't know why. It makes me laugh every time. Uh, that'd be a heck of a thing to wake up to is the Hulk basically uh, screaming in your face. And then he gives a little line about shawarma that shows up later. And there's two end credit scenes, and that's one of them. It's one of the it's one of the best. It's probably the best post credit scene out of all of them. But he mentions the shawarma, uh, and then they end up going back. They send Loki and the Tesseract back, so they quickly kind of deal with that. He's out of here. I like that you get to see Banner and Stark leave together. You think, ooh, what a cool friendship. That could really lead to some dope stuff. At one point in the movie, he tells him, yeah, you should come to Stark Tech. You know, I got, you know, 10 floors of R&D. It's Candyland. You'd love it. And then some foreshadowing. The, you know, they show... Potts and Tony working on the tower and all that's left of Stark is the A, which looks exactly like the A in Avengers, so that gives you a little glimpse into the fact that, like, maybe Tony's gonna start to think differently about what his goal is and who he's attached to and then, um, the post credits, we get our first look at It's Thanos, and he doesn't really say anything. I don't think so, because I think the guy is just talking. He's like, to challenge them is to court death. He basically says the humans are not as weak as we thought. To challenge them is to court death, and then Thanos turns and smiles which this is so this is just this is just excellent storytelling if you've watched the entire mcu and how it all ties together obviously this version of thanos is a little bit different uh graphically as far as his graphic representation than the one we end up with josh brolin that's okay I'm okay with that. I'm not. I'm not gonna grill them on that. He does look a little different, and that's fine. They. they I think they came a long way with how to uh, put somebody like that in the movie and make it, you know, seem believable and scary and not kind of hokey. And um, that sets the stage for a longer story arc that's gonna transpire over, you know, all of these series of movies. And then obviously the the second post credits where they're all just sitting there eating shawarma. I love it, I laugh every time, like Banner's just kind of nodding about how good it is. And and at one, I think near the end, like you know, Thor picks up a huge chunk of something to eat, and they're all just kind of sitting there. Uh, it's it's excellent, it's excellent to have the whole cast just kind of chilling and eating. Uh, I like it. it. It it always puts a smile on my face. So obviously, I love these movies, and I avoided spoilers that ties to the rest of the MCU. And I think Avengers is a great addition to the entire MCU in and of itself. If you want to watch these live, go to repeattheaterlive.com. Subscribe to the YouTube. You can go to repeattheater.com if you want to do the patreon or click the join button on youtube to get access to all the different perks in discord q a or maybe call-ins. as always if you're listening or watching to this uh, in the other locations please like share and subscribe Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of Repeat Theater. This is going to be the VIP call-in sort of roundtable we typically do after the Marvel movies. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, or any of the audio versions of this podcast, you can always catch us live at repeattheaterlive.com and you can catch these discussions, reviews, and VIP call-in sessions. If you want to take part in the VIP call-in, Click join on YouTube, repeattheaterlive.com takes you to the YouTube. If you'd rather use Patreon, just take live out of the .com, just go to repeattheater.com and you'll end up at the Patreon. Pick VIP and you can call in. Today I'm joined by some familiar voices. If you've ever listened to these episodes before, I've got Giza, Rexus, and Wolverine going to be walking through this. Now these call-ins do have spoilers, okay? So if you're listening to this episode and you've been watching MCU for the first time, and you don't want to know about stuff that happens in infinity war and end game and all of that we will undoubtedly touch on that because this movie sets up a lot of those things uh and even some of the dialogue kind of potentially maybe not intentionally but it does foreshadow some things uh that happen so i'm gonna let giza go first and he did, since he did submit a written question that we didn't use because we didn't have enough q a uh written q a so if you want to kick us off here with what you submitted
1: Okay, yeah. So, I mean, like you, this is sort of first time I actually watched this movie for quite a while and I actually sort of forgotten just how good it actually was. But I suppose question I was starting up in terms of the MCU raising the standard of superheroes uh, films. Obviously, prior to this, I know a lot of people who, in fact, like myself, watch superhero films and they're fine, you kind of watch it almost as a one-shot, nice effects because then I mean, you kind of forget about it until the sequel mm-hmm. what i liked about marvin i suppose looking in the hindsight you see the success now and things obvious but at this time it was still quite early on and what almost like the avengers was i felt was almost a payoff for the investment that movie goes and made for all the previous films because what it's actually done is turn sort of normal casual cinema goes into comic book fans mm-hmm. Which is something that sort of no other sort of superhero or sort of even franchise has done before. And the way the people are actually invested into each film, so from Iron Man to Captain America, and you know, and they gave a sense it was building up to something. And it's not like, you know, where you say you watch a Batman film, then the sequels coming in three years time, because Iron Man comes and a few months later you then have whichever the second one was, Captain America and then so on and saying this was sort of the first big payoff. And like I said, I thought they handled it brilliantly. Like you said, it was a very quick start. And I guess, comparing to what they've done with the the, 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 sort of DC universe and that, everyone got, because everyone had their own movies, they didn't have to waste like an hour sort of actually introducing everyone and finding about them. We were already invested in the characters, which made it so much easier, just get straight to the action and get to the heart of things. And then, obviously, from then on, not only did they give you that payoff, but then with the end credits, there's expectation of, don't don't go yet, guys, there's, there's more, much more to come. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and everyone kind of buys into it. And in fact, this was the film that made me stay to the end of credits, pretty much every film, even non-superhero films I watch afterwards, mm-hmm. just in case there's a little something at the end. I didn't even realize there was an end credits scene for the Iron Man film until about two years later. It mm. was just coming back and then... But, yeah, so, I mean, sort of as a off. so that's my initial thoughts, I guess, and then anyone else wants to chop
0: in. I I was just going to say, I, I think that might be why Captain Marvel struggled a little bit because we were all really invested in these characters, so we didn't yeah. need big introductions and setups. Um, it just worked, and I wonder if they, anybody's researched that, like, what film first did it? I would think that the first film... To indicate that they weren't done was aliens because I think at the very end of the credits you hear an egg opening uh, to indicate that they they didn't actually kill all the aliens. Like if you watch this, it's the second movie. Ripley gets away. You know they're in the ship. They you know they're they're ready to go into hypersleep or whatever. And then when the credits are finally over, you hear an egg opening. I wonder if they were that was one of the first movies to ever do that. If anybody's researched you know first movie to ever do like a post credits kind of hint that more is coming because these movies have obviously done it in spades i mean they they i think they did it yeah they did it first with iron man because then they did it throughout i mean they did it at the end of hulk they didn't have it all of them that's that's what's weird is that they actually put and one at the end of hulk like that was they they brought it into the mcu but then they kind of don't pay any attention to it i mean yeah i
1: think that's within the same franchise but most people, superhero movies are one-shot, so like Batman didn't have anything to do with Superman until they actually did the sort of Justice League and the Dawn of Justice. And people, you know, the original Spider-Man films that were sort of just on their own. So it was actually bringing different superheroes, but letting you know they are in the same universe was all burning up to something.
0: Yeah, yes. yeah, I remember, I remember really looking forward to everything, yeah, definitely.
2: Yes, I I think uh, that was one of the, if not the first, um, test drives that pretty much anyone, any studio made to um, to merge uh, multiple, uh, first at least multiple different franchises on the big screen together.
1: Hmm. Yeah, because it's it's quite an investment. You think about how many films they've done, and over the course of time as well, you know, was it ten years? You know, you ask people to stick with us all this time and we'll make it worth your while. And, uh, yeah, they did did a really good job.
0: I just liked knowing that it was all going to get tied together when they started saying... And dropping hints about there was going to be an avengers movie it made each movie more exciting i was like okay this is thor's movie all right they're gonna set thor up and then he's gonna be in it and then it, i i don't know by the i remember the time i got to thor i was so excited i was like this is so excellent that there's like a there's a meta story emerging it's not just individual superhero movies it got me it got me pretty pumped
1: yeah and to sort of have that effect globally as well yeah so just like like myself I was I collected comic books when I was a kid back in the 90s and uh obviously that was one of my things sort of week to week month to month just waiting for the continuation of the story Mm -hmm. uh even now people I know if I sort of chucked a pile of comic books in front of them they haven't got time for that they're not gonna read them but you know the films that's something they could sort of I guess obviously a visual thing but they could just buy into it much better and yeah
0: yeah yeah what did uh what did you want to say about the movie Wolverine?
3: Well, hey, first off, I hope the three of you are having a great day everyone on YouTube, everyone on Discord. You know, this uh this movie was, you know, pretty big uh, for me personally. I think it was uh, I assume big for most of you guys because you guys are pretty much touching on the same thing that uh, I want to uh, you know, bring on in this is something that was uh, alluded to back in 2008 when we saw Sam L. Jackson come out of the shadows in Tony Stark's home and Jarvis started malfunctioning that a team was being put together now we got to see that investment that Giza just talked about this investment of this long awaited arrival of this team putting together um, the the execution I thought was perfect uh, considering the director and, and not to uh create a uh, a moment to create a divide within the audience i'm not a really big fan of joss whedon um but i think what he did with the material and actors of the avengers i think it was perfect and i don't think many people could ever replicate i i'm a big uh proponent and a lot of times when i call in about the avengers specifically i love foreshadowing and we, you know, you talked about it that you couldn't bring it up in the talks, and you know, I definitely want to get your back and forth on some of the foreshadowing that you saw, and mm-hmm. then maybe even bring into some of the foreshadowing I picked up and then some of the stuff after that. Um when Colson was giving uh Tony uh the paperwork in the very beginning, you got to see little snippets. And you know, I, I try to look hard and when especially when you own the film after that, you're able to pause it and read certain things. Uh, two things that were uh, pinpointed on the paperwork: Project Pe- Pegasus and Project Forty Two. Uh, Pegasus already has a, a deeper meaning within uh, the MCU because it's the, uh, the excuse me, the test site uh, of the Tesseract from uh, the Captain Marvel films that actually Marvell was working on, and that's the interconnected MacGuffin that aligns this whole stretch of 10 years and then you just throw her story in. So that's how she's intertwined within the major plot points of the Tesseract. Um, Project 42 uh, in the comics was an extra dimensional prison that Tony built on, ironically, in Project Pegasus within the comic universe. It's obviously a separate meaning here, but the main thing of what Project 42 and the significance of him seeing that and given those paperworks because those were the foreshadowing of the raft, the prison that was built that housed all the heroes. So basically we were getting snippets of what was alluding to be Civil War.
0: Mm. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a big enough buff to know that i did in that scene though i was wondering i was like i wonder if you pause this i wonder if they did any foreshadowing about any of the things that happened because there was like video clips of of hulk from his movie so like there's elements from you know ed norton's hulk in this movie very briefly you get like a, a very quick quick scene uh, so that's cool that they added those uh, those little those little pieces there during that sequence because it's it's really quick. I mean, I'm surprised. I'm I'm pretty impressed you caught that because it's not it's not on the screen for very long.
3: No, and and. and with the help of reading and videos on the internet you're able to you know go back and, and just do a little bit of research yourself uh the pegasus part I, I needed a little bit of help with because i was just like it doesn't make any sense because him building the prison on there but that helped me because i'll be 100 percent honest with you, and it may sound ignorant but i've only watched captain marvel once and i and i don't think i very much finished it and i'm was kind of complacent on the intertwine intertwinement of her narrative and exactly the hiatus of when the tesseract was in shields uh, hands and then how it ended up in the space station to help the scrolls get a uh, a light year engine so uh there there's a th- this mcguffin has just been part of the mcu for the last 10 years so it only makes sense that it would bring her story along within the main overall arc hmm
0: yeah I I like they did that in one of the X-Men movies where like they put like you know Remy like Remy Lebeau's name on screen and stuff I always like when they do stuff like that it's not a promise that they're gonna do anything with it but like they just they create a consistency in the world that these people exist and I think that's I don't know I like that because it fan acknowledgement I, yeah yeah they did that in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. too they'll reference New York and the Avengers you know periodically
1: But yeah, just I about mean, something I guess too to in research, isn't it? And a lot of a lot of superhero movies all have Easter eggs, but yeah, this one's I guess laden with them in that sense. I think people are mentioning you know, the uh end credits where obviously what's his name, the others talking to Thanos. And obviously uh, mentions it to go against the Avengers to Consort Consort Death, which is a little nod to some mention to Thanos's relationship with death in the comics. I mean, not, not something they're ever going to bring up in the movies but one of the things if you know you know it and you kind of obviously have the same little smile that Thanos did at the time it's
3: like a yeah. lust he has a lust for her and yeah. and you'd almost you almost got that sense from the type of smirk that he gave it was just you know cheek to cheek grin yeah. and it's like uh it, it was definitely a nod and you you definitely appreciate appreciated that uh, the character that you were referring to before the uh, stream started the other you know he's uh represented almost as like the higher intellect of the chatari people mhm so w- why he was able to just basically free will give that army to uh to loki's hands
0: yeah and i, I it's interesting too cuz when you watch it in the order that we watch it in th- there's not like there's not a whole lot of time in between cuz Th- like thor and loki it, it, when that one ended and we were just sort of like oh okay go on to the next i didn't think much i didn't think much of it but if you think about it like thor right into avengers really runs together really really well is that how they did it release date because like it, it it ran together perfectly with oh wow loki uh, cap got was the his- last
3: one cap was the last one <clears throat> right before oh really and that they went thor and, the- went mm-hmm. thor and then cap
0: yeah, I actually liked Thor right into Avengers because it sets up Loki as the villain really, really well. It sets up Selvik being controlled by Loki really, really well at S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, I thought that flowed better, personally. S- some of the chronological viewing has had some, like, weirdness because we're like, oh, we weren't really supposed to- We didn't really know who Fury was, you know, and he's showing up in a post-scene or whatever with Captain. Um but I thought it ran together really, really well. Cause low, just gets sucked out in space, you know, and then he shows up in this one you're like, wait, how did he get here? And I, I thought it was good that they didn't take long to let you know, like he didn't, he didn't get out of there on his own. He, he was helped.
3: Uh, you you talked about uh, something in, in your review uh, that I uh, really appreciated and I'm glad you, you brought up, you know, I, I love that you, 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 like Coulson and and all that he brings to the MCU is as, as just a you know a, a typical agent and you know him you know standing up to these these figures that he shouldn't even be a ring in and then looking at him dead on and then using that destroyer weapon telling him that he lacks conviction and and that scene more specifically has has a lot of meaning because you know he he ends up being undone by his conflicted allegiances to his family and his desire for power and that's pretty much been the overall arc for Loki since we've were pretty much introduced to him. He wanted the throne of Asgard. He couldn't have the throne of Asgard. He'd wanted earth, couldn't have earth. Then after he couldn't have earth, then he was basically lost just trying to find some way to run away from the debts that he's made from either Thanos or other people within the galaxy. And it's always been a, a stretch for power while at the same time by having that that inner hope to want to be not only accepted by his brother, but to be have his father proud of him too.
1: Mm.
2: And, and by ragnarok he finally found his place just before getting um crushed in the next movie
1: <laughs> yeah <clears throat> and what's interesting is seeing that development from loki later's films and in the end game you have this loki gets the tesseract jumps out so now he's escaped so now the original loki's back in our world it's almost like a reset to have him as exactly. a villain exactly
3: we're gonna to have to basically start his narrative all over again in terms of rebuilding uh, who he was and relearning who he was yeah. and and who are the people around him it's going to be very interesting when we get into uh even though Loki's thor's been through miniseries. all that
1: still so it's gonna be an interesting clash trying mm-hmm. to think of the key sort of from all that time again
3: so yeah i'm 100 agreed
2: a uh, little, uh, another little fun fact, um, the part with the uh, shawarma where uh, Tony was, when he was back, like uh, you want you, you guys want shawarma? Mm-hmm. First of all, he, uh, when when he was like, uh, the, the other's like, Way, we, we, we still got unfinished business, and he's okay, after shawarma, uh, you see him, he's beaten, he, he's taken quite a toll, mostly mentally too, he's just exhausted.
1: Yeah. Oh,
2: wow. <laughs> uh, nice and the idea with Shawarma, he got uh, during the fighting, he was once flying past the Shawarma place. That's where mm. he got this random idea from. <laughs> At uh-huh. least in-universe.
1: What I always found actually quite funny about that scene is that I don't know if it's maybe just like a New York thing, how the people in the back are still just working. You know, they've always been destroyed by an alien invasion. But apparently it's not a reason to stop working it's just they're cracking on serving the shawarma to them like like nothing's happened just a typical day in New York or something which is
3: they were just exhausting. they were just, they were just no, I mean actual they workers
1: were... the actual workers in oh, the yeah, shawarma yeah. place yeah. in the back they just like just just carry on it's like well it's just New York
0: yeah um, they don't care that the Avengers are in their story either. they're just like ah whatever <laughs>
1: yeah. but I guess not Thing to touch on, so you mentioned the fact of Joss Whedon, and and, yeah, I've been a big fan of Joss Whedon myself, just from sort of Buffy things. And the way he kind of develops the characters and the actual group dynamics, you know, with all the the joking and I guess the banter between them, you know, was very, very sort of Buffy like and Angel like, Mm -hmm. which is something I enjoyed. A lot of the uh, sort of partnerships, like this little thing between Hulk and Thor, because even in the comics, they've always had a bit of a office rivalry about who's actually the strongest between them. Never <laughs> actually probably gone into it, but then obviously you had the interesting way he, he does fight the Hulk and then they touched that a lot more in Ragnarok. But even during the battle in New York where they sort of team up, take down the Leviathan, and then Hulk just smacks him for literally no reason as to he's just there and why not? Mm-hmm. And those kind of little things. Ragnarok. Well <laughs> yeah they also it comes a yeah, lot so, Yeah, exactly. Avenger.
2: Damn <laughs> you stuck. <laughs> Point Break,
1: yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that one th- and that's great. That's a great callback to Point Break because he calls him that. he's like, he got meet He's like, you get a. Me- he's, like, he's like, no hard feelings, Point Break. You got a mean right, ho- right cross or whatever he says.
2: Right hook, I
0: think. Yeah, right hook yeah. or right cross. Yeah, yeah. That's that. That was why I I loved that he just kept giving people nicknames. I mean, I, just him calling Hawkeye Legolas is perfect. It's like <laughs> he's like pucker, pucker up Legolas and he just like yanks him. Takes him up to the top.
3: Um, yeah. I just about died when, in Endgame, when Stark called him Lebowski, though.
0: Yes, yes, he calls him <laughs> Lebowski. Yes. <laughs> oh, he says you got a mean swing. Yeah, you got a mean swing. Um, yeah, right. yeah, I mean, yeah,
1: yeah. Little things like that as well, because obviously the first time sort of Captain Meat uh, and Tony meet, like, they obviously clash. I know we spoke about this when we were doing the Iron Man and Captain America reviews, about the, the two different sort of personality types. In that, you know, Tony being the Maverick, Captain very much the straight man. Uh, and then obviously they sort of have that clash about, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, I'm a soldier, I just follow orders, you know, etc. Um But then, even with that clash, when they actually come together, what I actually thought was quite interesting is when obviously the Chitari come out and then they're all together in a little circle, the first thing Iron Man says is, call it, Cap. It's like, even being smart, so he knows that in the war setting now, Captain America is soldier, and he yep. kind of just gives him the reins. And what's even more interesting is that Captain America, even though he's only had a little bit of interaction with all of them, he, he knows how to deploy all his troops, you know, where they go best, what their attributes are. I'm sure he's pretty red from the, the files. I so yeah, maybe he alluded to that at the beginning when sort of, he first meets Nick Fury, but he's obviously knows what they're capable of. But he instantly knows how to deploy them all to sort best effect. And again, just showing that sort of leadership, which we then see obviously later on in civil war and then end game infinity wars as well that sort of trusting even with the cops who sort of wonder what's going on and then he'll see he jumps in with his crazy garish suit and they're like why should we follow you and he just destroys a whole group of Chitari. and then straight away they realize he's a man mm. which i think is like sort of again it's just really just 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 cool things and again just the character development the the plotting from joss whedon and it's, it's the similar thing, i guess with all the characters going through really so yeah
0: i yeah.
3: uh oh go ahead go no on, i sorry. was just gonna
0: say i thought joss did a good job i think that that's why there's probably a little bit more comedy in this than the other movies it's i think that's joss that's hit that's his influence bleeding into the movie but i think he did it in a way that was respectful of the character arcs up to that point so i liked
2: yeah. it the comedy was spot on Like, uh, just to draw a quick comparison, uh, Avengers, that's how you do comedy correctly. Um, Star Wars Episode 8 that's how not to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I I remember
0: (laughs) remember literally watching the opening to that thinking they're trying to be MCU. Like, I was in the theater and thought that. I was like, you're trying to be MCU and doesn't work.
2: Uh, And I did it so wrong like it
0: just it, it was just forced
1: yeah. yeah that's sort of I guess one of my opening question, how it's just raised the standard now for these kind of films because mm-hmm. even the industry, So interesting like superhero films have been taken that seriously mean, no one would ever think of a superhero back to getting being put up for an Oscar but you know after so obviously the RDJ should be getting an Oscar and all sorts mm-hmm. you know and,
2: and, and to be fair I think it also worked because it knew it was silly. The like the the MCU takes itself pretty seriously by now, mm. but they still know. But this is this are these are movies about superheroes. Yeah. The, there's not more that is more silly, in just in concept. So just roll with it.
3: Yeah. I wanted to segue into something that you talked about uh into uh, the end of the uh the review on your your feelings on hulk and mm-hmm. i'd like to also you know bring in to you know a little bit of reality that maybe some people might not be aware of in terms of limitations and then just the overall idea of these character limitations and then where we were to prior to these films put together you know yeah you know, uh, Giza talked about the the original Spider-Mans and, and then where these movies were. We were in separate universes because we were talking about things like contracts. So before I do, go into that, I want I wanted to hear your take on Hulk and where your stance is in terms of how they fit in and into the MCU and then your just overall knowledge on it.
0: I mean, I just know that is this is my limited knowledge is that universal like owns hulk in some specific way that they can't make a movie with him as the title or something which is why they couldn't do space hulk or something it's essentially a standalone yeah they can't do standalones and it's kind of and that is similar to the debate that happened with spider-man like they wanted to basically yank him out of the mcu and take him from disney and I don't understand the, all the finer workings of it, but it, it, essentially, it's property that they own that they don't want standalone movies made, um, which sadly gets gets Hulk completely sidelined. Like, I don't know why they had to sideline him. I don't know if that's accurate to like stories and stuff why he won't transform in Infinity War and why he's. I think funny but not that interesting in endgame i don't i don't know like and he gets to and he gets to snap and he gets like he brings everybody back if we everybody always forgets that everybody everybody forgets that like hulk actually does bring everybody back it's it's tony who gets rid of the baddies they, they both take their turn snapping um i think hulk we forget that because i don't know I it's it's I don't know. How he, I just feel like he gets sidelined. It doesn't doesn't feel like Hulk. He's so great in Ragnarok, and from the after that, you may never get to see and really enjoy Hulk just being Hulk.
3: Yeah, and uh, what are the the finer tunings of this major universal deal, and where it actually uh, falls in line? It's just the amount of money that universal wanted for the standalone film it was almost practically close to the mcu's total at that time so that was just never going to happen they were just going to wait it out the same deal as sony part of that deal also included clauses that uh, includes um uh portions of the united states to not have marvel related theme park related rides so for instance East of the Mississippi, you will not find, in Disney more specifically, a Marvel-related entity... Outside of Universal, that's why Universal Studios Islands of Adventure remains as prominent as they they can because they hold that grip because they know people are going to want and especially children are going to want to ride the Incredible Hulk, ride the Spider Man ride, which are two great rides. I, I will say, as a Disney person, I can give credit where credits do those those rides really make that those those parks. But. There was one thing that they didn't see years ago. Years ago, we're talking early 90s when they put this together. The Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm -hmm. Because of the prominence that Guardians had in 2014 and the excitement that it had, it was one of those subsidies within the Marvel collection that wasn't picked up by pretty much anybody. So when Disney had it, they knew they struck gold. Now, when you ask, but there's going to be a Marvel uh, Guardians of the Galaxy ride in Epcot, it's because they fit through that loophole that Universal didn't you know, think to jump on back in the day. So let's revert back to the storyline and how Fe- Kevin Feige was able to utilize the Hulk's arc over a three movie period, uh, Ragnarok, Infinity War. And Endgame, that was basically giving us our Hulk standalone without breaching any sort of in- copyright-related things. Hmm.
2: And Ragnarok was just um, like which are great films. Planet Hulk,
3: <laughs> yes, yes.
2: Like, th- not in a bad way. It was great.
0: Yeah, but it just, and I. I mean I guess I can appreciate that but it's I guess it's just a bummer because you don't get you don't get the full the full film effect with yeah you know beginning to end it just it bums me out because they nailed him like of all the characters that are hard to nail you know I think Captain America's suit is tough not to look a little cheesy I think Thor was actually kind of challenging because he's he's mythological Iron Man was probably the easiest because they just really leaned on the clean metallic special effects to just make a suit fly around Hulk was probably the more challenging to not have it be corny cheesy or it's like is he you don't want him to feel like he's been green screen dropped copy pasted in um and they pulled it off and as a Hulk fan I was glad they pulled it off because they always felt like the one with Eric Bana is terrible and then this and then the one with Ed Norton is like slightly better and then in this one when he finally transforms on the ship and fights uh fights Thor you're like finally we got Hulk like this is exactly what it would be like um and then we don't ever really I mean we get it in Ragnarok and that's it like we basically get a fight, a really good fight scene with, with Thor and Ragnarok, and that's it. After that, we, Hulk is basically no more. As we as we came to love him, at least I did, in Avengers.
3: I feel that he has a little, you know, the, the Tony Stark Hulkbuster fight in Ultron. I mean, that was a pretty good fight scene for Hulk. Hulk does a, another good fight scene at the end of that one as well. But I, I have to agree with you in terms of what we know as Hulk in terms of the ang- angry unrelenting rage it kind of got controlled over time you had the uh the whole move with black widow and the relationship that he had or she excuse me that she had with with uh banner you know it you know it just kind of calmed him down over the years
2: i forgot yeah. about
0: him being an Ultron. i always forget about that movie yeah
2: i honest i honestly think i honestly think it's a little bit of a shame that this kind of got um just erased after Ultron like they see each other again and everything's gone no yeah. relationship, no nothing Yeah. a little bit of a shame because b- because in Age of Ultron they, they actually, the, the way they the way they were talking and the, with, and the parts about were both monsters I, I, th- I thought they would they did make quite a good fit
3: a mm-hmm.
2: bit of a shame it and almost
3: looked like they were setting the tone for that yeah
0: well, and if you if you back it up too, you can see that they they set the stage for that early on, because she's the one that brings him in. She's the first one that kind of sees him change in an uncontrolled way, uh, not in the controlled way that he does in the street. So she she's she's there. She's kind of there alongside of him, and then in Ultron isn't she she's like sitting with him and they're like they're there's something happening they're like having drinks and like
2: yeah, they're actually properly talking to one another and not just
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, black widow's usual flirting yeah i've also mentioned that yeah. and, well, and there's and
0: there's <laughs> chemistry there's chemistry between them because when he he jokingly tries to pick up the hammer and like fake growls she shoots him a look like there's something else going on between them. Like there's a, there's a, there's a friendship forming where she can communicate to him without saying anything. Like, what are you doing, dummy? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know, I, I love that. I love that they set that up and then nothing comes from it.
2: Uh, that, that's, that scene was also a great, just um, another great um, Easter egg or little, uh, little foreshadowing with the hammer just moving this, this tiny millimeter when Cap tries to pull it.
0: Now, there are people that have claimed Cap can sense he can pick it up and he fakes not being able to. What is
1: that? that
2: is I that didn't just get possible?
1: that.
0: I didn't I, get that either. I thought he tried no. and like, it's like the hammer's like, eh, not yet. It's
1: Yeah, probably. I, I think he felt it move and then actually tried to physically pick it up at which point the hammer just said no. Huh. Cause it's all about strength of wit, your character on the strength of muscles, or isn't it? So. I just almost, he felt it moved, then tried to actually pull it, and then that's when it kind of said, well, I said, no, or not yet, anyway.
3: He it, didn't deemed want him wo- embar- it deemed him worthy at the right time i feel like well, yeah you know, yeah because people have yeah. people
0: have said that what creature's saying that he didn't want to embarrass thor and i'm like i don't know i don't like, think uh, i don't i don't
3: think yeah i don't uh, i mean like i know people have said that and i've read that before but you know it's a great take don't get me wrong it's great but you know it's definitely towards the character and how he portrayed captain he wouldn't want to make any of his uh cohorts feel bad but At the same time, I don't think the hammer was just like you're not not there yet You're you're you know, you're there, but you're not there
0: if you think about when when the hammer allows him to To not just he doesn't just pick it up. He's he summons. it like exactly Okay, if you contrast that to when it basically brings Thor back to life, it's a similar scenario they're literally about to die if the hammer doesn't step in. So that's why he becomes worthy in that moment is that he and Thor are willing to die for for humanity and the hammer's like, all right, now you're worthy. Cause you're exactly. you're willing to die for humanity. So boom, he, he doesn't pick it up. He summons it the way that Thor does. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's different to me. It's different.
3: Uh,
1: I agree with you on that one.
2: Oh, though the, the face the, the the little face that um thor pulls during that scene is <laughs> great, like, oh,
0: yes wait that he worried, that he
2: worried yeah that just shows <laughs> that the, like, the skill no no, no 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 it's nothing it's nothing yeah no, no it did not move at all
0: <laughs> yeah he 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 kind of laughs it off and, and says oh it's nothing you can hear yeah. relief in his voice that's hemsworth <laughs> acting chops right there like, he does a great job in that scene
3: but his you know his comedic approach it you know he even got shades of it and in movies prior to ragnarok he always had it it's just he i feel like he just needed a director to really expand upon it because the guy really can have a lot of comedic relief while still maintaining the seriousness of his, of his character
0: that's why i feel like colson embodies the mcu comedy it's the seriousness and the silliness in one package and i think that's why thor landed well in ragnarok he's serious he's strong but you get that comedy you wrap that comedy in there inside that package and it just works and so when i if if you want to summarize the mcu's comedic genius it's wrapped up in colson like the way from the time that he shows up in iron man to when loki takes him out it's stellar it's he's serious i mean because think about it he, he gets on the phone with that guy who's interrogating natasha and he rattles off the address and he's like i'll have the building leveled before you make the lobby and you're like whoa like colson bringing in like the big guns uh, but then, seconds later, he's just sort of like bouncing back and forth on hold while Natasha's whooping everybody up. So they again, they go from the serious to the the humorous, so interchangeable with him. And I, somebody saw a way to do that with Thor in Ragnarok, and I'm so glad they did because it it brought the character miles ahead of where he was. The, the, on,
2: honestly, that is what like. It, thor's uh th- thor's story arc or just personality arc was pretty rough mm-hmm. because uh d- he uh, at the beginning he's uh thing d- dur- during uh, thor like the movie for he's still the uh the uh, arrogant uh big boy yeah i'm the, i'm just the, i'm the son of odin uh, but i'm the big shot yeah, and he slowly, very slowly, realizes that it's not about that, mm-hmm. and it all accumulates like just a, it, it all uh, just flows together at the end in, uh, in uh, Ragnarok.
3: He adapted to you know society. He stopped you know portraying himself strictly as a god of thunder. You know the way he spoke the way his mannerisms like he would would try to just conform himself to you know where he was and what he was doing and how and who he was speaking to it's I, i i i really appreciate his trend the most because how I don't want to say stern, but I guess how focused he was. It's strictly just being the God of Thunder, this Norse mythological story in the first one to where he ended up being and to what he finalized being in Endgame as, you know, uh, a comedic, but yet uh, well, serious, serious backbone and foundation to this franchise. It's, it's great. It's great because it's definitely, there's longevity within that character.
2: At, at, at the end of infinity war he was broken <clears throat> like he just lost everything it's just he he went from this uh i can do everything and just keep going keep pushing keep pushing uh yeah uh yeah my uh my mother died my brother died my brother killed my dad yeah it's just all shit. let's keep pushing pushing <laughs> And when he when they finally lose the battle, in uh, <clears throat> uh, in Infinity War, he's like he's broken, mm-hmm. and he needs to find his place again. He's just done for. He he, he did he, he tried everything he could. He he became like what I don't know. Uh, multiple folds stronger than he was before and he already was strong when he was just wielding Mjolnir and uh, then he found his real power and it still was not enough
1: I mean yeah. what I would say I mean I will not speak too much because we'll get to Thor Ragnarok I guess in the time that <laughs> it was more of a character shift in the character development but it should change and in theory it shouldn't really have worked like that because I mean I felt bits bit sort of sort of taking it back as a sudden change in how he it was it's only really working because because it worked so well you like kind of got away with it in a sense i think right. if there's such a sudden shift for everyone else you know we see how how captain tanya developed over several films to, to get from where they were to where they are and Scott kind of just changed overnight and yeah. it's like and it, like i said it worked which is why i kind of got away with it but
0: right I...
1: it's more like you know a good actor a good director and a good story Al always, always helps uh, I think are bad at the time but yeah
0: I was gonna say I think that's why people give Hulk a pass in Endgame, because it is funny. like the way they use him, they do some pretty funny stuff with time travel and stuff like it's mm. but i I actually think I would say Thor's shift is better. it's they in the first scene he nails it because he's like wait a minute wait a minute because he's like spinning around he's like i have to wait to come back around again like he he really does like he does such a great job and also it probably helped too that the movies were spread out if you watch them back to back you pick up more on the fact that like wow he really goes from loki no to being like humorous and arrogant and funny and cocky um, and i think that's when you pick up on it probably more with the movie super spread out i think pe- people less people probably noticed also the marketing there was a lot of marketing i think that led up to Ragnarok they were doing little bits and scenes with him and he was on instagram yeah, teasing the thing yeah and he was teasing well. his castmates and I, so i think they set the runway up really well to be like thor's going to be funny now and you're not going to question it
3: <laughs> <laughs> and and that's what i was referring to where i feel like that portion of it was inorganic where they were like let's change the tone of this character where they would work to make it natural within the movies by making it seem like he's just uh taking in everything that he's learning the people that he's with communicating with you know the the team that he's on everything
2: to be honest though this uh like from a psychological standpoint it, is, it doesn't make as little sense as many people might think. Because uh, taking everything less seriously is an actual coping mechanism. If just everything goes that badly. Like in general, he, I said, he loses, he loses just person after person after person. Mm-hmm. And then he, lose, he even loses all of Asgard. Like just the place is gone. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's a coping mechanism he's going for at least it feels to me like that because he's going for I'm not gonna take this anymore seriously because he can't if he does which he does after uh, after they lose in in, uh, Infinity War then he starts to realize and starts taking it seriously and is like yeah
0: that's bad well and you can see how
2: bad everything was
0: he taps into it really well too in his conversation with rocket where he's like it has to work because he's like i don't have anything else to lose or something like that like there's a line there's an exchange with him and rocket and you can see that he doesn't have anything else he legitimately does have nothing left in the universe and I love, I, I just, I don't know, watching Thor and then watching him in this and then knowing what's waiting for him, I, I just, I, I always end up liking, I'm, I'm liking his character more and more now because you do, you see how much he really does lose uh, when you consider everything in the movies. I also think that his comedy in Ragnarok, you could excuse it a little bit because of how much he interacted with humans and... Tony Stark and the teasing and the joking Hmm. you kind of can see like yeah he he kind of absorbs some of that from Tony like just the the arrogance and the and the comedy um you know it it, they don't they don't really say that but you could excuse him like yeah you kind of would take on the properties of the people around you uh and and joke like they do to some to some extent
1: yeah well he does that doesn't he I mean when they all try to pick up hammer and then I got another reason you're not worthy you know, and yeah. you know it's like as a joke although obviously you knows that one of them may just be a little bit worthy but mm-hmm.
3: yeah well i uh i just want to finish off by uh by saying you know this this movie was definitely the culmination to the beginning of what we were anticipating what we hoped for when we first were introduced to these end credit scenes and what we can expect within the future um i'd like to see what they're going to be able to do with a new avengers line and and who's going to be part of that you know i i hope and i probably expect to see spider-man at the forefront maybe a few x-men in there too would be cool maybe a collaboration with the first family fantastic four who knows but uh the future's bright the future's big
0: mm,
3: yeah co yeah.
1: No, sign that one
0: then yeah I think that's the question mark I have and obviously we will hopefully cover them on repeat theater is the story and character development different pacing they'll have to take on for the TV shows and I'm I'm hoping to nail it cuz I I that's just more it's just more marvel for us you know that's more that's more more stuff more more fun more fun marvel movie basically marvel movies to break down and enjoy but in a in a longer format I mean honestly you know the, even if the seasons are only 8 or 10 episodes long. That's, you know, that's 8 or 10 hours roughly instead of one 2-hour movie. So, I'm excited about all of the stories that they're able to to, to trot out in a, in a in a TV show format as opposed to the big budget production cuz Agents of Shield slowly grew on me over time and one of the reasons I I I started to fall in love with that show was honestly because they started. They they carved their own path, and they they didn't they didn't tell a story that needed lots of superheroes. So I'll be interested in how these other shows try to carry themselves. I still want to see a Ghost Rider spinoff, but we'll probably never get it. I thought that guy was excellent yeah, uh, as was Ghost Rider. Shield. Yeah.
2: <clears throat> Wait, Ghost Rider was in was in Agents of Shield.
0: Oh, yeah. it's a, it's a great I, version of him too. I, yeah. Oh, you gotta watch it. I only it.
2: know Nick Cage as, no. <laughs> no. Not really no, Nick not Cage not really, is...
1: yeah. Not really yeah.
0: Okay, if you've seen the newest Terminator, all right, that they did with Arnold and uh and Sarah Connor and and uh Hamilton, Lisa Hamilton, they he the guy that plays the Terminator in that he's the guy that plays Ghost Rider. Like he's excellent. It's very very good
2: it's on disney plus i guess
0: right agents of shield
2: i hope at least
0: i actually don't know where it it's is it ABC, right now isn't it?
1: Oh. Is it abc originally i
0: think uh, a C- on netflix, oh, i'm it in it uk
1: off. so we get it on different i channels. thought it was
0: cbs and it hit netflix but the 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 newest um
2: on netflix it's not
1: anymore
0: yeah it's the robbie reyes version of ghost rider that's right that's right it is a different version because he's not on a motorcycle he's in a car um what <laughs> yeah it, it works
3: just just it just works watch out yeah.
0: <laughs> shield was on abc yeah 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 they just ended they just ended it right i don't know where you can watch the most recent season because we we my wife and i need to we got all caught up to, to the season where you know colson comes back and then they left mm-hmm. it hanging and they're like let's do one more and i think this season was literally written to end it uh so I'm, I, I don't know how it happens i don't i've not seen it So we'll probably have to rotate into repeat theater at some point.
2: (laughs) I got to watch that.
0: It's good. It's good.
2: It's good. It's very good. Though first I have to finish the campaigns again of StarCraft 2.
0: Yeah, well, I'm sure that's more important. But if you're going to (laughs) watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you're going to really have to just, you're going to have to binge just drink from a fire hose season one and like half of season two and then it really picks up season one's kind of all over the place yeah. and then season two takes a while but then it really gets going they do some really cool things with the characters in that show
2: i think i started it once but then was i think i went until like mid season two or something but then i just uh, lost the ball i think mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i can't really remember anything anymore <laughs> Yeah,
0: you've got to get, ha- you get you got to get you got to get to the end of season 2 and then you're pretty much in. Um cuz if you if you don't it it's like it never it's like the traction doesn't hit. It takes a while and then when it does, it just every season I thought got better and better. Um you they they did some really really fun things with uh with the villains and the and bringing characters back. It I thought they did a great job. So it's on netflix in the u.s people are saying you can stream it on abc for free so i don't know if that's all seasons i'm
2: not in the u.s (laughs) oh
0: you you know
2: Uh, i'm not even in the uk so (laughs) uh.
0: i thought disney plus got it already guess not no those contracts have to end it's kind of like how they kept Daredevil and Punisher on Netflix for a while, and eventually pulled them down. I th- have they pulled them down yet? Like eventually, those are getting pulled from Netflix. I don't even know where they're gonna put them, if anywhere, because Punisher and, and Daredevil are really violent. You
2: know, I'm 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 not allowed. I'm not sure. Am I allowed to say something like, um, something not fully legal on
0: uh, on stream or Yeah, just I wouldn't. I don't. I, don't, I, don't, I know there's. Not sure, there's yeah if you're not sure then you can figure it out another way i mean eventually it'll hit disney plus i would think all those shows they'll eventually fold into it and you'll be able to watch it there
2: it's more just want to say I, i i usually uh try to stream everything legally but sometimes i just don't feel sorry if i am not strictly within bounds anymore because like if if you throw me like 20 rocks in the way of giving you money for something I'm sorry. Then it's not my fault anymore.
0: That's well, no. I, I would never encourage anybody to like break the rules. Yeah, but I've I, always I don't said, take as
2: well. Like I'm just I've always saying, said, take my money. First,
0: take my money. I want to yeah. watch your show. I want to watch your movie. Like take my money. Like whenever yeah. you do the region restrictions the sa- or I can't watch I'm, something streaming, I'm like, come on. Like I'm, I'll pay you I'm to just, let me watch
2: it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm the same way. Like uh, that's why I'm saying uh, at some point, if you if you throw like twenty rocks in my way, not my fault anymore. I don't feel bad for you anymore i tried to give you my money you didn't want it
0: yeah course, i don't i don't like, <laughs> dare daredevil daredevil and the and the punisher <laughs> um i i don't know what they're going to do with them if they're going to shove them somewhere else hulu or wherever and then let somebody pick them up and, and continue them i also don't know that we're going to what they're going to do with deadpool because i know they said like deadpool can operate outside of disney because of fox or something uh, trying to
3: make him uh, the highest paid uh, marvel actor from an article I was reading I don't know how uh, integral that is but it seems about appropriate Ryan Reynolds with the the two other heads RDJ out you know what other guys are currently in there with the uh, repertoire as someone like Ryan Reynolds so it kind of makes sense I know they they want to incorporate him. they know uh, they know the cash grab when they see it but whether or not they can incorporate Deadpool to the rated R standard that got him his name that's where it gets a little iffy personally i think we will see our first disney rated r movie with him yeah. and it will just be heavily uh warninged like don't show your children. it was just it's gonna be like in your face almost the- from from the beginning
0: The only other way you pull it off is you make it all self-referential and he makes fun of Disney the whole time and they keep bleeping things out and fuzzing things out and that's and that's part of the shtick is that he continually breaks the fourth wall and they're literally bleeping all the swear words and he's like we could have shown you that but you know and like that'd be the only other way to do it is either like you're saying be the first and really be in your face or turn him turn him backwards on the franchise on the disney you know umbrella but disney might not like that either they might rather him just do nothing um you either you're either I, gonna I let him be violent viable. and swear or you're
3: gonna bleep it all out i think that's viable but my issue with that i think that's only viable for one movie and if they right. want any sort of long-term you know deal with him multiple films you're not gonna be able to go go ahead and make a whole other film with the same gags
0: yeah, it wouldn't work. It would get really tiring. I it's, I, I, I heard what Sven's putting, that Bob Eager, Iger said Deadpool would remain under the Fox umbrella. I remember hearing that as well and hoping they would do the same thing for Punisher, like fold it under Fox and let Fox handle it all. Um, because, but again, the minute Marvel pops up on the screen, Disney's going to think, eh, we don't really want to be associated with that if it's not under the Disney Plus, you know... Uh, their
3: attempt, their attempt to this pg-13 take and how it's gonna you know reverberate on his career is this uh film that he's in um uh this newest one that he just uh advertised for today with the trailer out um
0: where he's like in the video game he's an Nbc yeah
3: that one that one it's because it's no- put- Towards you know you you saw the the content in terms of the joking he's like he's making sexual puns but you know they're they're so vanilla but you you know de- definitely right away what he's insinuating right
2: okay I need to look that up that sounds absolutely amazing
0: oh yeah the movie looks <laughs> great NPC he's energy. basically he's an NPC that realizes he's an NPC and he starts That's... breaking he starts breaking all the rules of the game because um, he's tired of being the guy. That's in the bank. That, free that like, free guy. Free guy is the name of the movie.
3: Free yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah.
0: Because he's he's always an NPC in a bank, and the bank always gets robbed because the video game players come in and rob the bank, and he decides to start breaking the rules. It actually looks really funny.
3: I think this is going to be their their lab rat, so to speak, to see how it you know how it takes to that type of comedy and then if that type of comedy takes maybe they'll adapt that to to Deadpool and then maybe use elements that you were referring to breaking the fourth wall and then right before he drops an f-bomb you just get a real loud beep or something like that
0: yeah yeah they constantly yeah I but I agree I think they could get really old really fast after just one movie I don't know how long they could carry that and then I, that's one of the things. That, like, that There are certain characters in movies you just can't do then. You can't do the Punisher. You can't do Daredevil, at least on the tone that they originally did it. I mean, you could just turn it into him beating people up and not really showing all the blood and everything, but it got pretty visceral in Daredevil, and I, I, I think that that would ruin it. If they brought him back and they really cleaned it up, and you couldn't do it with Punisher, it just wouldn't work. He's too... Done. He's just it. It does that. That character doesn't work if you can't take him to the level of just ripping people up and blowing Breakfast people
3: abandoned. away. Breakfast
0: abandoned,
1: yeah. Yeah, chain version instead. Yeah. Nobody wants that again.
0: No. No so all right we'll we'll call it there because we'll just keep talking about all this (laughs) all these movies and stuff so if you guys enjoyed this you're like oh that would be so fun to jump on a call we do these shows Monday through Thursday 3 p.m. Eastern on YouTube and if you pick VIP tier on a YouTube membership by clicking join or on the Patreon you can join these calls as always if you're listening to the audio versions or watching these video uh, sessions later please like share and subscribe